it didn't matter how hard you worked or how good you were, you were always going to be the bad guy. If I, if only I could just injure myself, then I wouldn't have to go to work. Maybe if I just broke her leg. Welcome to Stories That Connect Us, a podcast for storytellers and story lovers alike. I'm your host, Nikki. Tired of surface level chit chat and eager to connect to others on a deeper level? Want to learn from others' past experiences, highs, lows, and the messy middle? Well, if that sounds like you, you've landed in the right place. Stories That Connect Us seeks to unite people through the power of storytelling, providing a platform for everyday people to share their stories. Why? Because everyone has a story. Our stories matter. Sit back, grab a drink, and get ready to listen, learn, and be inspired. Hey Storytimers, thanks for joining me for episode three. Today we're going to be in conversation with Kate Davis. Kate is a leadership coach working with creative agency founders and CEOs, helping them to lead a team where everyone feels motivated and valued. Kate is passionate about helping people decode their natural strengths so that they can do more of what makes them happy. Kate is an ICF accredited coach, a giant leadership consultant, change manager and connector, with over 20 years experience of running and mentoring teams to work at their best. Buckle up people and get ready to listen to Kate's journey, a rocky road of self-discovery to create a life where she's doing more of what makes her happy. This episode contains an experience at a train station that some people may find triggering. If you want to avoid this content, exact times are given in the show notes. Kate, hello. Welcome to Stories That Connect Us. Great to have you on as a guest. Thank you so much, Nikki. I'm so I'm so excited to be here. Um, I I know that we're going to have a fantastic conversation. So I've been really excited to come on and join you. We absolutely are right on with that one. So before we get into the nitty gritty of your story, first of all, how are you? I'm well I'm very well actually um we're recording this in springtime and I love the spring I love being able to be in the garden and being in the sunshine so I'm very well my mood is very much up <laughs> that is that's it's as if I could hear it in that little giggle at the end there I could hear that <laughs> that your mood is up and there is something about the sunshine that definitely does wonders for my mood and I, mm. I I'm, I'm definitely impacted by bad weather and grey skies I've got to find a way to bring the sunshine into me if it's not actually outside so I can definitely relate yes yes. definitely relate definitely relate so on to your story which is why everyone's here which is why everyone's tuned in so your story is one of self-discovery really where you learned if you will the hard way what Mm. really matters to you and you were brave enough to go out there and try to live that life. So without further ado, tell me your story from where it begins. Okay, thank you. Uh, so so I suppose it's, it's. Um, thank you for saying it's brave. Um, I think there are some people who think that I've probably been rather foolish in a lot of it, but you know what? Um, it's it's what I know I know I needed to do. Um, so I think my, my story sort of probably starts uh, in, in my early 20s, I'd had a perfectly nice upbringing. I have a lovely family. Uh, and I, uh, as, as, some, as a lady of a certain age, I'm 49. 
there was an ex- I love that phrase a lady of a certain age <laughs> certain age um I think growing up in the 70s and then uh, and then in, in into the 80s there was an expectation of of me um I'm I'm I'm, I'm hesitating and I don't know why I'm hesitating I'm quite an intelligent person um and so there was an expectation of me that I would go to university I would do all the right things I would you know tick all the boxes in the right in the right order and then presumably an expectation that I would marry well and go and have some children and all of that good stuff where did this expectation come from who 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 was it that was expecting these things of you I think it's I think it's 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 family but it's also school as well there are you know as you and I think it I think that has changed um now but there's an expectation certainly then that they were looking for well who are the people who are university candidates who are the people who are going to go and do an apprenticeship somewhere almost dreaming you very quickly and because I was always in the well she should you know she should go to university she should and this should uh, that something it, in that word isn't there Shoulds, there is shoulds. there is a there is a weight to that oughts and shoulds is is quite can, can be very heavy uh particularly if they don't align with who you are and and I'll, I'll talk a bit more about that in a minute but I think it was just there was an expectation you're bright I'm usually quite articulate um, and there was a lot of talk about I remember my dad saying well you're always being very good in an argument you make an excellent lawyer wonderful ah. so so there was a, there was an expectation whether it was ever verbalized whether it was just the, the the weight of what do I think people want of me expectations is what mm. I'm hearing so mm. was your dad or was there anybody in the family who had come from a legal profession no why, you know why law Did, was was it this kind of you are articulate and you're good at making an argument was that where it came from yes and it's a it's a profession my my father um he came from he was uh, uh I think he was eight eighth of 12 children on a farm in Ireland and he was the first one to go to university. He became an optician, um, so not not legal at all. But he obviously saw the benefit of of a profession. Okay. And if you have a profession, you've always got something to hold back to fall back on. And so there was definitely a um, gentle nudges, at very least, for my brother and I to go and get go and become qualified in something or other my sister was funnily enough not decided that she was uh, she wasn't academic enough you know the 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 powers that be had decided that she wasn't one of those and therefore mm-hmm. you know should go and do something else so she went to secretarial college she's she's now phenomenally successful but that streaming of you tick these boxes so you can go in Absolutely. this direction is was was definitely there um and so, so I, I did. Um, I went to study law. I became a lawyer. I um, I loved studying law. I absolutely loved studying law. I found human behaviour fascinating because obviously I've had a lot of time to reflect on this. But what I loved is understanding case law and understanding what happens to people under different situations. How do people react? where where do they go wrong and and you know whether that's deliberate or or just by by not being aware of their surroundings i found all of that fascinating 
However, when it came to practicing it, I, I moved firms so many times in the three or four years where I was actually practicing law because I kept thinking, well, it's, it's the firm that isn't right. It's the firm that isn't right. This didn't sit right with me and that didn't sit right with me. And actually the realization is, is much more that this is, it's the old adage about it's not, it's not you, it's me. It wasn't <laughs> any of the law firms, it was me. I was in the wrong place. I was definitely swayed by the prestige of it and the fact that it was a good job in capital you know capital letters quote unquote exactly yes it was a good it's a good job and you know as i said it's all something to fall back on that's quite prestigious i started out at a small firm in in london and by the time i'd moved my way through a bazillion different firms i ended up at one of the magic circle one of the biggest law firms in the world and I think that was a point at which I thought, well, I, you know, if this one isn't right for me, I, what is right for me? <laughs> um, what, what I really didn't like was that it didn't matter how hard you worked, how many people's weddings you missed, how many people's per birthday parties, how much sleep you lost, and, and whether you even won a case for a client, because the client never wanted to in, in instruct you in the first place. Something had gone wrong if you had to be involved. And so it didn't matter how hard you worked or how good you were, you were always going to be the bad guy. And I've, and I've since come to, come to realise um, with the work that I now do, actually how completely unsuited I was for that in terms of the way that my brain works that actually I'm, I'm much more future oriented, I'm much more big vision. Having to be that incredible attention to detail and the very methodical thinking things through when actually I'm a lot, I, I, my skill and my, my, my natural talent is, is actually in future projection rather than in the here and now. And exactly as you say, actually in the past. So obviously you'd, you'd got into this magic circle uh, law firm and you thought I've been through a myriad of different places before, small, medium, large. Mm. And I now know this is definitely not the right place. So mm. that was your point of realisation. Yes. And so when you realised that, did you keep going for a while? No. Okay. So no. tell me more about that moment of realization. Yeah, so it was it was quite a it was it was quite a slap in the face the realization. Um, and for those of you listening, you know this 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 may I'm just sort of giving you a, a, a bit of a trigger warning. Um, I was at the train station. I was living in West London, working in the city. Uh, so I was at the at Edgware Road tube, tube station feeling miserable, feeling like I didn't really want to be going into work. And I remember really vividly as the train came in and I did not, it wasn't a question of me wanting to kill myself. That, that wasn't the thought that, that came through my mind. But I had this split second moment where I thought, if, I, if only I could just injure myself, then I wouldn't have to go to work. Maybe if I just broke a leg. The soon as the thought came through my head, I was really shocked at myself and thought, my God, what the hell am I doing? What am I doing that I would rather be, you know, in plaster and in, in the hospital and in pain than going to work? Something has got to change. I was quite shaken by the thought that even went through my head. That really, as you said, gave you a virtual slap in the face. So mm. what happened after that? 
I did go into work that day. Uh, <laughs> I do remember going in, but feeling almost sort of quite like I was out of my own body. You, you, do you know that feeling where, where you kind of feel like you're observing yourself rather than being actually just going around the the, the the day-to-day things? Like I had a distance that I hadn't seen before, perhaps at perspective, and how much I really just did not enjoy it. Got back home, I was talking to my sister in the evening and she said, oh, how's work? Oh, it's just, you don't even want to know. And I, I went into some boring detail about what was happening and she shared with me what she had done that day um she was working in the live events industry and um her day just sounded like it was much more joyful was much more free was much more interesting than what I was doing and on that phone call I thought that's it I just I can't do it I cannot do this anymore if I've got to that stage where I would rather injure myself I'd rather hurt myself than go into work, then I need to stop this. Uh, and so I made the decision there and then, and I went in the following morning and handed my notice in. Right there, right yep. there, right then. Yeah. Next day. So Edgware train station was yesterday, and then today you're 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 walking in. Yeah. To hand your notice in. Yeah. I just I knew that if I had pulled pushed myself to that point, and I was that miserable. And of course, looking back, I realised that I've been miserable the whole time I've been practising law. But again, it was a good, good job. It was prestige. It was all of my friends were lawyers as well. So, you know, everyone I knew did the same thing. Do you know what? You've just made a, a point there that I imagine people might be thinking because you're right. You know, the law profession, it's respected. It's well paid. It's a good job, quote unquote, mm. again. So, you know, it, it it's quite easy for others to look on and say, well, why why would you not want to continue in that role mm. you know mm. what was it that wasn't right but I think as you've said it's different roles may fit with different personalities and people are meant to do certain things yeah. and maybe you needed to, to go through that experience to realize what yes. was for you absolutely so mm. um going back to you've you've gone back in you've spoken to your sister and you've handed your notice in yes what next um, so I then decided because I'd spent most of my life working towards where I was, you know, in, in most of my sort of my senior school, etc., had all been towards this one thing. And you start to think in certain ways. And I was I definitely thought like a lawyer. So um, <laughs> so I did I did a few things to stop me thinking like a lawyer. I did an interior design course. That I was never going to be an interior designer, but I wanted to do something fun. I wanted to do something that was completely opposite to what I had been doing my whole life. Different um, side of the brain than you, exactly. you know, kind of being used. Exactly. Using that creativity, using what I now understand as that kind of that future vein, the future brain, that innovative element that is part of my DNA that I hadn't been using. Um, and then I rather sort of fell into actually event management. My sister sort of said, well, why didn't you come along? If you're not doing much, come along. This was before I had a mortgage and before I had other things. And I did have a very, very, um, uh, very supportive partner who who just got it and said, you know, you need you do what you need to do. So I fell into events and actually I loved it. I absolutely loved the event world. Um, I was still doing the sensible part, though. 
So the event world is obviously, as you can imagine, incredibly creative and very dynamic space. It's very, very busy, though, isn't it? Very <laughs> from, busy. from what I understand. Oh, my goodness. Um, and, and very stressful as well. When they when they they, they they always come up with those surveys of the most stressful jobs or the most this or the most that. An event manager is usually in the top five alongside paramedics and ambulance drivers. Um, which, uh, which almost sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? You know, sort of putting on a big party, so it's, it can't be that stressful. Um, but I absolutely loved it. Uh, I somehow got myself into, into logistics and operations. So again, all about the detail, all about the here and the now. Uh, but I loved it because it was about people. It was about moving people from one place to another and making sure that the right people were in the right place and were, you know, were fed and watered and nurtured um, and had, had a, a fabulous experience. And so I did that for quite some time. And I, I as I say, I utterly loved it. Um, the stress was was quite was 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 quite a lot, especially around the detail. Um, and again, as, as, as I said, I now know that that's not my that's not my forty, and there's nothing to be ashamed about as well. There's there's an element of, well, she's got no attention to detail. There's no, or she's not, she, she doesn't follow through on things, or she doesn't. Actually, that's not where my strength lies. For me. Absolutely, mm. and, and I think within teams, within businesses, within families, mm. we need people with different strengths and an awareness of what your strengths are and what they are not. Yes, is useful. A hundred percent. So you're in this events world, you're loving it, it's hectic, it's busy, but there's mm. still that element of detail and it's still that proper job, that yes. you know, that, that sort of structured world. So yes, yes. what next? Um, then I have to say life got in the way. I had two incredible children, and for a good while I I balanced the two. I was still working in events, but I had a lot of support with my in-laws who would take them if I was traveling um, and you know we could just about manage the the eternal juggle um, but it got to a point where my in-laws were getting older they couldn't handle the kids as the kids as the kids got older they became more demanding um, and my now ex-husband uh, got a job that meant that he couldn't support around me either so we made a decision as a family that I would stop and that I would spend proper time with the children, that I would stop work, um, which, which was, you know, I don't regret a minute that I that I spent raising the children, and they're now teenagers, but um, I don't regret a second of that. But losing so much of my identity um, and the life that I built within the event industry um, was a real wrench. And I think the 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 other thing is that when you been very busy and when you have dealt with you know huge budgets huge um, huge events huge responsibility you know I was running teams of that you know 30 people on multi-million pound budgets to then be sitting at home going mm, shall I go to the shops or shall I what shall I do I found very frustrating and so I filled my time I joined the PTA and inevitably <laughs> became chairman of the PTA I was probably the most hideous chairman of the PTA because a frustrated event manager <laughs> running a small PTA I had everybody whipped into shape whether they wanted to be or not <laughs> um, and I ran a couple of small businesses that were never going to go anywhere but I needed to do something for myself to exercise my brain and to and to feel like I had more purpose than just being a housewife and just being a mum. 
And I know that that's something that a lot of people really struggle with when when they do do what I did and and take time out and take time away from mm. work. They want to be, you know, they want to be mum. They want to be able to and, and dad as well. I know there are uh, I know there are lots of men who do the same thing. And and also struggle with the same loss of identity. Uh, I did it for a couple of years, two or three years, um, and then realised that I needed to do something. So I went and got a proper job. And again, the the inverted commas are back out. Quote unquote, yeah. <laughs> whipping, out, whipping out those commas again. Exactly, the bunny ears. Um, I went and got a proper job. I went into a, a very large organisation and went into, into project management, into change management. Um, and again, almost like much like the law, I loved the idea of it. I loved understanding how people react to change, how people and how how you can help people through change. Absolutely. This is obviously in terms of business change and you know what does a business need in order for them to be more profitable, to be more resilient, to be more, you know, whatever it is, whatever the, the, the company goals are. But how can you help the people through that? How can you help them to adapt? How can you help to, them to see the benefit? How do you communicate best to them? Loved the idea of it, but I'd gone from the event industry, which is so dynamic and so, you know, you are, you are only as good as your last job to an environment where the wheels turn so slowly, sometimes you couldn't, you could thought they were going backwards. <laughs> <laughs> um which which again you know an, an outsider might think well why did she just keep jumping from one thing to another because I kept falling from one thing to another I I don't think for for a large part large part of my adult life I've I've done things because they felt like they needed to be the right thing to do rather than being a conscious choice I seem to remember from your story that there was another train, another another train incident or, or exactly. another event at a, at a train station. But it wasn't Edgware Road this time, was it? No, it wasn't. It was Reading train station. And I, I don't need a trigger warning for this one either. Um, <laughs> I was if I'm really honest, Nikki, I was bunking off. I think I'd, I think I didn't. You were skiving. I was skiving. <laughs> I got into work and was so bored and so frustrated. I think I invented a meeting I had to go to just so I could go home early. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Everett. Sorry, my old boss. Um, <laughs> and I was walking through Reading train station, and and you, you kind of go up up one this hugely long escalator, and then across the top, and there are some kind of concession stands at the top and a restaurant and things. And there was a gift shop up there. And I walked past and this, I mean, it was almost like a, a kind of like a cartoon moment. This, this mug was sitting in the front of the shop and there was a, genuinely was a spotlight on it, but it was like, it was kind of shining at me. You know, one of those cartoons where it goes, ting! <laughs> exactly. almost like that moment. And this mug, in fact, I'm actually holding it right now because I'm still using this mug because it makes me happy every time. It's very bright, and anybody who who come and come and come and find me on social media so you can see a picture of this. Absolutely. Of this um, it just says in very bright colours, text all squished up together. Do more of what makes you happy. And it again, it was it, it was like somebody punched me in the in the stomach, 
because it was this sudden realization that I wasn't doing anything that was making me happy. That, you know, I, as I say, I love being a mum. I loved so many other things about my life, but I wasn't doing anything for me. Um, I wasn't doing anything that, that made me happy. Um, and, and again, I just, I, I didn't quit the next day because I'd got a mortgage and responsibilities by then. <laughs> but, I, but that realization interestingly almost flipped me the other way and I felt quite trapped because I knew I wasn't doing what made me happy and but because I had the responsibilities around me it wasn't as easy for me to just go right well that's it switch it on and off yeah Um, I wonder whether people will and and this is a question that I'm just thinking of hmm. you know sometimes people might think do what do more of what makes you happy isn't that a bit kind of woo woo Mm. you know is, is it even achievable to do what makes you happy so can you just expand on what what does this concept really mean to you for anyone who might be thinking mm. well okay in the real world can I really do that yes and and this is this is a conversation I've I've, I've had before actually it feels very self-indulgent do more of what makes you happy what and sort everybody else that's not it. It's not it at all. I think at the time I, I simply thought I've got to do something for me. I've got to do something where I'm just not I'm not just serving everybody else all the time. Um, but actually now with what with what I do and what I actually help my clients with and what I help organizations do is to allow more people to do this. What what do I mean by this is actually understanding yourself better, understanding what your drivers are, where your natural skills and talents lie. So as I said earlier, I'm not a detail person. I'm my 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 strength is not in the here and now. My strength is in is in looking at the future and then working my way back from it. If I find the future compelling, I will work my way back and and create a plan. So many people are like that, but they're not, they don't feel that they're allowed to be like that. Um, uh, and equally, understanding whether I'm quite an extrovert, well, I am an extrovert, I know that I get my energy from being around other people, from talking to other people. And I know so many people who have who have had that expectation that they are an extrovert, that they should be doing one thing, or they should be doing something else good friend of mine who from the from an outside perspective could well be seen as an extrovert she loves very bright colors she loves incredible animal prints she often has red hair um she's a total introvert she loves to to she can be sociable with people but then her social battery runs out she needs to with, withdraw and retreat and be able to to kind of re-engage with herself you've you've been able to know that about yourself through this journey of not feeling that you were doing anything that makes you happy yeah to get to the point where you were but it all started from that reading train station really because yes. that's where you were like I'm going to be brave and I'm going to try and get myself into a situation where I do not feel like this so you're mm -hmm. in this you know you're you're now I'm just trying to get back to exactly where we were so you were in this um in this organization you've seen this this mug of do more, more of what makes you happy mm. what 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 do you do with that because you've got the responsibilities as you said so you can't just switch it off mm. it, it as I say it had quite a negative effect on me initially um that actually I I, I didn't as I said I didn't I didn't go and um hammer notice in the following day 
I actually realized that I was um, that I was depressed and uh, and and quite seriously so. And so I actually had to had to um, have time off work because I couldn't function. I was I had got myself into a very dark place knowing that I wasn't doing anything for me, that I wasn't doing anything that made me happy, that I was stuck somewhere where I, I really resented having to go into work. Love amazing people, lovely people who, um, you know, I, who I'm still good friends with an awful lot of them now. <laughs> but the environment where that I was working in made me made me ill, made me stressed, made me um, question everything about myself. And so I actually had three months off. I actually had three months off sick with stress and um, stress and depression and anxiety. And it was only through that period of being able to to step away and allow myself to first of all, allow myself to be a bit miserable because I'd spent my whole life looking after everybody else and never allowing myself to feel however it was that I needed to feel. Um, and therefore went on this journey of self-discovery. And I, I like to call it just my, my mini midlife crisis because it really <laughs> did make me question everything, uh, everything about myself. And I know that this is really common. Um, it's really common and, and it's to the point where it's almost become a bit of a standing joke because after my midlife crisis, what did I do? I trained to become a coach. And there are an awful lot of <laughs> ladies who've had a little bit of midlife crisis who've just decided to become coaches. Um, so I, you know, I, I laugh about it, but it was it was the it was the best thing I've ever done, apart from having my lovely kids. Um, understanding why I do what I do, what I really want to do for myself and for other people. Um, and being able to to create a business that allows other people to understand themselves better, to be able to remove the 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 sort of the the symptoms of what what happens when you are living a life that isn't the one that should be for you. And that sounds very dramatic, but a lot of people are in jobs that don't necessarily suit them, but they followed a path and they don't really know what to do about it. I almost feel as if it's that time away that you had those three months allowed you that, as you said, that gap, that ability to really look inwards and look into yourself and decide what is it that I actually want. And you've done that several times. And I think that's mm. That's something that happens throughout our lives. There are often different chapters and different pause yeah. points when we evaluate and our evaluation at 25 will be different at 45, right? Because we've got different responsibilities and we've had different experiences. So yeah. what do you think can be gained when you do make the choice to do what makes you happy? For those people out there thinking, I'm not in that place where I feel I can wear the badge of do more of what makes you happy. Mm. So it, you don't have to quit your job. <laughs> you don't have to have three months <laughs> signed off sick. You don't have to do any of those things. Um, it, it's, an, it's an awful lot easier than that. Understanding yourself better, just taking some time to really understand what are the things that give you energy? What are the things that drain you of energy? When you come home from work or when you leave your home desk or where, wherever it is that you're working and your other half or whoever it is that you live with says, how was your day? 
when you've had a really good day, what were you doing? When you've had a really, you know, one of those days where you just think, oh God, I just either want to crawl up and uh, crawl up in a, in, in a heap on my bed and read a book and, and withdraw from the world, or I want to open a bottle of wine or those days, what were you doing? However you are made up is how you are made up. It's not a question of, so as you know, the, the example of, well, actually my attention to detail isn't great. No, it's not, but actually my ability to see into the future um, which sounds very uh, uh, otherworldly, but I can I can see possibilities and I can see opportunities that other people can't. And nearly 30% of the world is made up of people who can do that. I'm going to try and bring the conversation to, to a close, but is there anything else you want to share um, about your story that you haven't? Um, no, I, I, I don't think about about my story. I could talk for, for several months about it, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think just more this this idea that whatever it is that wherever it is that you feel stuck, number one, you're not on your own. That, as you just said, there were so many people. My story resonates with you, even though you and I have a different story. There are there are so many other people who are in, in a similar situation. However it is that you are, is the right thing. And there may be people listening to this who are, who are not the leader of a team and therefore don't have the, the, the capacity to be able to change things around. Well, actually understanding who you are and what drives you and what gives you the energy and what drains you will allow you to then go into your next, you know, your next PDR, your next, your next appraisal with your, with your manager and say, look, I'm, I'm not as happy as I could be and I'm not giving you the benefit of all of the great things that are, that are about me and here are some things that I could do you know even if I'm just shifting on on an axis somewhere I'd like to be doing more of this thing and less of this thing. So as a leadership coach Kate what's the one thing you're working on right now in your business that you're really excited about? So what what I love to do, I love to work with one to one with people and be able to see the transformation for for leaders. But I also love being able to give them the tools to be able to do for their teams what we've been talking about, to be able to work within the team and being able to show everybody, no matter what level they are, how doing things that are the right thing for you, that fit within your natural talents, how not only will that make you happier, less stressed, et cetera, it actually means that you'll be of, of more benefit to the business. You'll actually be working at your best. So finally, where can listeners connect with you online? Um, so I hang out most often on LinkedIn. Um, so come and find me. I'm Kate Davis Coach. I am also on Instagram at Kate Davis Coach. Or come and find me on my website, which is katedavis.net. And we'll put all of that in the show notes. Absolutely. So, Kate, thank you for being a fabulous guest on Stories That Connect Us. I've loved our conversation. Take care of yourself and speak soon. Thank you so much. It's been such a privilege to, to speak to you today, Nikki. Brilliant. Bye. Bye. Wow. Another episode done. Hope you enjoyed that conversation and found value in listening to Kate's story. My two key takeaways were, number one, doing a little bit more of what makes you happy and a little bit less of what others tell you you should be doing to make you happy is something for us all to consider. Doing what makes you happy isn't woo-woo and selfish. 
It's about finding out what drives you versus what drains you and trying to add a little bit more of those drivers into elements of your everyday life. Number two, there's always a choice and you don't have to follow the well-trodden and established path. Before I sign out, quick disclaimer, today's personal story is based on Kate's real life experience. We're all different and what works for one may not work for another. See you in a fortnight when I'll be back with another guest sharing their story. Thank you so, so much for listening to today's episode. I really do appreciate you taking time out of your day to join me for stories that connect us. I hope you enjoyed it and that you listened, learned and felt inspired. Please share it with a friend and subscribe to be notified of future episodes. Stay safe, stay connected. Until next time.